You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Welcome to another episode of Mommy Well Muslim Podcast. This is Uzma Jaffrey flying solo again through our June series of Muslim Conversion, Helped and Hindered. Zeba is not yet back from her women's retreat, so we're really excited to hear all about it when she returns. So please pray for um, good health and safe travel for her and her family who has gone with her, which is excellent. I just wanted uh, to kind of come forward and say that I made a huge mistake in parenting. I tell everybody, uh, like, think about it because it's advice to myself first before it's advice to you guys, I promise. But I did not follow my advice to either of us. And I was driving my son to a place. He told me I need to get to the masjid and I'm driving him there. And then because of traffic, I had to like go in and out and like weave in traffic. And it was complicated to get to a masjid that's generally very close to us. And he was like, are we going to the masjid? And for some reason in my head, I thought that he had messed up where I needed to drop him off. And he actually needed to be dropped off at the movies. And I went level 12 atomic mom on him. And he did not deserve that because he was like, this isn't the the way. And I was like, oh, and then I had to explain to him, like, okay, you know, they're not little anymore. They know what ways to go. They know the past. They're not like happy little six-year-olds watching their DVDs and no idea what road is what. But he's 14. He knows. And he realized that that is the wrong direction that we were going or the wrong, a different path. And I went a path I, I would rather not have gone. So uh, that night, we missed each other because we both went to two separate things And I did not get to apologize to him until the next morning, but I cannot tell you how important it is to apologize. Of course, he shrugged it off like, oh, no skin off my back. But I knew that I needed to say sorry and tell him what what had gone through my head. Like, I thought you had messed up the location, my son. I'm so sorry. You didn't deserve that. I was completely out of line. And I put my hands on him. I hugged him. He only gave me his head because, you know, they don't give you a body after about age 12. So, um I was able to hug his head and apologize. And I cannot stress to you how important, 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 important that is. So please, please, moms, touch your boys. I don't care how old they are and apologize to them. Again, I don't care how old they are. So there is that. And then as far as podcast updates, we are going to have a live event on June 30th. I can't remember what day this uh, podcast episode will air, but uh, we have some really cool information for people considering Islam or people that are already in Islam. And it's particularly about conversion and marriage. And it's coming from a lawyer. So really good advice. And that will be on at 4 p.m. Eastern, inshallah. We'll get the adverts out so you'll be able to see that. We hope you'll join us on the live. It will be on Facebook. We're going to try to do it on Instagram too. So let's try both. Um, We're going to try to get both of our audiences over there. So super excited about that. Go to our website. The merch store is open. Some of you have been emailing us and DMing us for the original mother's t-shirt that is available for sale, as well as our timeout kit. And our love glasses are always on there. So if you're looking for easy Eid gifts to send to your girlfriends or to yourself, 
please go to our merch store and support the podcast. So with that, I'm going to continue our uh, conversations with converts to Islam, their struggles, their challenges, just get them out in the open so that we can really pause and fully appreciate their experiences and understand them better, get more empathy about them. Um, Today we have Kai Wingo on. She is known for creating reusable sticker books. I love the sound of that because Lisa Frank did not have reusable sticker books. Um, They feature hijabi women from around the world so that we can break that stereotype of like Islam is a monolith and like all hijabis are the same. They're absolutely not. This was inspired by her daughter and Kai was searching for some representation with her child. And because she's a homeschooling mom of, uh, I don't, well, she'll tell us how many children, three kids. Thank you. Um, she, you know, put her brain to work extra and created something extra And it's going to be for our advantage. Now, sadly, my daughter might be a little bit too old for them, but I'm not. I still like playing with stickers. So I think that's okay. She is not just a homeschooling mom. She is also the founder of Split Moon Publications, through which she distributes these sticker books and I think additional products that she's going to tell us about. So we're super excited to have her on. Welcome, Kai. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. So usually we like to kick off by asking our guests a little bit about their momming story and their momming philosophy. Absolutely. So alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen, I'm blessed to have three kids, um, nine, five and a half, and one and a half. Um, And alhamdulillah, I like to call myself a co-parent because really it is such a uh, strong relationship between my husband and his parenting and my parenting. We are definitely a team. So we are team players for sure. Alhamdulillah, he has them right now. Alhamdulillah, I could be here with you guys. Um, So we chose to homeschool and it was a very organic choice as I am an educator. I have my master's in education. I've taught in both the private and the public sector. Um, and once we started having kids with my daughter's arrival, it was just like, of course, we're going to homeschool. Alhamdulillah. Now, when it comes to my momming philosophy, we definitely like to call ourselves uh, conscientious parents. Um, we choose to lead with connection and connection really is key um, because for whatever reason, if my kids are acting up or they seem off in any way, usually there's like one of three reasons behind their behavior. So either they feel disconnected from us or their siblings. Um, maybe we have a change in our schedule. So we're, you know, um, traveling or there's an event in the week, something like that. Um, or They just don't feel like their needs are being met. So um, we try to be really conscientious of what's happening at any given moment and kind of be mindful and present in that moment because it's really easy to yell. um, But of course, as you had mentioned before, it, it's kind of counter counterintuitive, right? Like yeah. you think you're you're just getting everything out, you're expressing your emotions, and immediately afterwards you're just like, oh. I- that better but mashallah to you sister Uzma, that you actually um <laughs> kind of like fessed up and said look i i made a mistake and we are not um unfallible right i right. yelled at my kids every other day but it's coming to them and saying you know what i was wrong mom mm-hmm. can be wrong too yeah, yeah let's talk a little bit about your family background Absolutely. So I was born in Oklahoma 
to super hippie parents. Um, (laughs) Wonderful. Uh, They definitely, although there was no like formalized religion within um, our home, they always preached love and peace and inclusion. And because of that, I had a lot of exposure to other cultures and philosophies. Um, And so alhamdulillah, that was really, I think, impactful in my upbringing. Um, But they grew up actually having very religious backgrounds. My mom was Catholic. My dad was Pentecostal Baptist. And I think because of their negative experiences as how they were taught about um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there was a lot of like fear mongering behind, like you better do this, are you going to hell? And so I've noticed this in their generation as well. Um, There's a lot of rejection of organized religion. And so I'm absolutely experiencing that with them now later on in life. Um, Although they've had that background even to this day, they're kind of like, you know, we're going to just shy away from being part of a religious community. And they do their own worship on their own, in their own way. Yeah, alhamdulillah. But um, because they were so open growing up, they gave me a lot of leeway to experience religion on my own. So I actually, at a young age, grew up going to an all-Black Baptist church. That's awesome. <laughs> really funny I was like the only little white girl in the choir and stuff it was hilarious now that I think but um it was such a great experience and I had a lot of positive experience um and so I think that really um gave me a strong foundation of like loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so um I didn't have any really negative um experiences alhamdulillah subhanallah that's awesome and I love that your parents were hippies in Oklahoma because I never would have thought that Oklahoma had hippies in it. (laughs) I know Texas did it. (laughs) That's super funny. My dad tells me stories of when he, because he had long hair, he actually experienced a lot of discrimination. People wouldn't, he, they would not even let them in um, to Mm -hmm. restaurants. Yeah, he told me so much. And one time he drove to Texas and a police officer pulled him over and said, you better get back to Oklahoma. (laughs) He couldn't even cross the state line. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he had long hair. He was, you know, anti-establishment hippie. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. (laughs) That would be cool to talk to him about that because I didn't realize that, that, that we discriminated amongst our own people. But why wouldn't we? We always have, I guess, right? In America, like. So with all of this uh, exploration that your parents allowed you to do, how did that lead to you finding Islam? Bismillah, subhanAllah. Um, I always preface my uh, revert story by saying there's like a long version and there's a short version. But um, to start off, Allah was calling me for sure. Allah just opened um, the floodgate and said, here I am. You know, <laughs> well, um, but uh, to give you more detail, I had just finished college and um, I worked for uh, Teach for America. I joined Teach for America, which is kind of like AmeriCorps, but mm-hmm. where you're teaching um, in underserved areas. So I actually ended up in the high school that I went to, which was also an underserved high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here I am and I'm like totally adulting now. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, wait a minute. I have kids. I have my students. I really need to reflect on myself 
because I'm inside of the classroom, but then I'm outside too. And I always be like, oh my gosh, like I need something. And my heart was calling out for that connection with God because I had such good experiences when I was younger. But as time goes by without like consistency and just being distracted, subhanAllah, um, I had kind of like not been as religious as I was when I was smaller. So I decided to call my friends and be like, hey, do you guys want to go to church? And subhanAllah, every time I would call one of my friends, something would happen. And so I I would get frustrated and I'd be like, okay, I didn't want to go to some random church on my own, which is funny because I ended up going to a random masjid on my own. But nonetheless... (laughs) Um, I just started doing research based on the computer, right? Um, computer-based research and looked at different religions. I looked at Judaism. I looked at actually Buddhism and Hinduism because I have um, family members who in my family who are Buddhist and Hindu. So I was like, let me just look, but it was just a little bit too different for me. So I stuck with the Abrahamic faiths and last on the, the list was Islam. And so I read, I read the Quran in English and I was like, okay, I have questions. And then I reached out via computer because as a as a revert you know like there's these like unspoken gender rules so approaching a masjid for the first time is really nerve-wracking at least it was yeah it's very intimidating exactly so I just reached out via email and the imam said hey we have this intro to islam class why don't you come and join so I mustered up the courage to go and I actually like had some really thick pashmina like scarf that I would wear like for fashion and like wrapped around my head crazy and came in and then um six months I would go every Thursday to this class and it was like five pillars how to make wudu and at that class there was a Nigerian sister um, who was coming because she just wanted to make connections at the masjid. She was at like a all girls Catholic school for college. And she was like, I just want to be at the masjid. Mm-hmm. Hey, Kai, come with me to this Turkish uh, sobet, which is like a, ver- a, a Turkish version of a halakha. And okay. that I would say was really where I started to be able to have um, dialogue and uh more in-depth learning as to what the Quran was saying as to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Um, so it was, I think, eight months in to the classes and the Turkish sobet. Um, and then I had this opportunity to take my shahada with um, this scholar who I didn't even know who he was. Um, and he, uh, my friends were just like, Hey, I know the bodyguard of, uh, you know, Habib Omer, do you want to take your Shahada now? And I was like, I think I'm ready. Okay. So we drive up to Boston, me and some girls oh, and we wow. drive to Boston and they're like, okay, um, it's your turn here. So I stand up and I, I had an ugly cry as I took my Shahada. I was like, Oh, like, I don't yeah. know. It was, sort of release I think of um just all this emotion that had been built up and then I was subhanallah a clean slate so yeah now did it feel safer in that sohbet because it was all women or was it a a mixed gender sohbet absolutely no it was all women and I I loved the intro to Islam class I mean it was like a husband wife who were doing it and they were great um but it was like more of like a socratic you know 
method, right? Where we're sitting and there was some dialogue, but at the Sohbet, here we had this almost like community of sisterhood occurring. There was food. You know, when there's food, everyone's more <laughs> tea, food, and like um, real discussions. Like I felt like I could ask anything. So Alhamdulillah, I would, um, it was a blessing. It was really, and to this yeah. day, I have really great relationships with those sisters, even oh, though we're not. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, that's awesome. I do want to offer that a lot of colleges and universities have an intro to Islam class. And I think, I don't know about security measures anymore on college campuses, but I'm sure they're open for audit. If somebody is interested in Islam, they can always go and like audit a class. You don't, um, I don't know if you have to enroll as a student or what you have to do, but that means you're, you're attending the class and you're not going to get any college credit for it. But pretty much every um, major cities university has those. If your masjid doesn't, then you can fall back on that. And, you know, I don't know how you find a sahabat or a halaqa, a study circle, um, with Muslim women only in your local group, I think it would have to be through your masjid or through the local masjid if you want that kind of experience, um, your your wonderful experience, it sounds like. But that's awesome. I've heard through this month, we have learned that everybody's super excited when we're coming to Islam, but then after we come to Islam, it's like, whew, their interest like falls in us. So tell us what some of your um, struggles were and how you overcame them, especially that drop in interest. Okay, sure. So um, I can definitely talk about uh, my first really uh, intense, I I wouldn't, I don't know if it would be considered a long-term struggle, but in that moment, it was like the hardest thing I think I had done since coming to Islam. So as soon as I took my Shahada, I started wearing hijab, Mm. not in the best of way, like, you know, I just kind of put it together, but I started wearing hijab right away. Um, And so at that same time, I was a first-year teacher in high school in an inner city, okay? Mm-hmm. So Friday, I had left school. Hey, bye, everybody. My hair was out. You know, I wore typically business-style clothing, which was obviously not as modest as it could have been. Um, and uh, I said goodbye to my students. Come Monday, I'm wrapped up like a burrito, and I'm, I still remember getting out of my car, and being dressed modestly, you know, I had long sleeved a, a skirt on and my hijab and I'm walking. School hadn't started yet. I'm about to put my coat in to get into the building and I stop and I'm like, I can't do this. And I turn around and I'm walking back to my car and then I stop again. SubhanAllah, I feel as though like Allah just whispered in my heart, you can do this. And I literally said, Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I can do this. And I walked in and that was like the beginning of like all these people uh-huh. looking at walking us. And, you know, it's so funny that it was the teachers who actually had like more of a reaction to it. I had someone think I had cancer. She was like, are you okay? Do you have cancer? And I'm like, no, I'm Muslim now. I came to Islam. And then they're like, but why? And so there was a lot of like, why are you making this decision? Have you paid attention to the news at all? (laughs) My students 
may Allah bless them and guide all of them. Subhanallah. Um, it was it was kind of funny now that I think about it because you know they're coming in to my classroom and now I have this completely different get up and they're like, Miss, what's on your head? Take that off. So I literally had to just clear the table and say, listen, I'm going to give everybody 20 minutes at the beginning of class to ask me any question that you want. And so I had this open forum with every single of my classes throughout that day to be like, look, I'm open to talking about why I look like this now. So let's talk. And it took about a week. But after that, it was just like, it became normal to them. So it was, but that was definitely one of those moments where I had to like every class be like, here we go again. I know. Well, no, I'm not taking it off. I am thinking. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And I love that kids, as always, demonstrate how much more receptive they are to change than adults are. Like we all just need to go back to childhood because we were much nicer then. we were, I, I tell my kids too, I'm like, you're closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than I am because you're still, you know, like innocent. He will listen to you before he listens to me. So you make dua for me too. I'll do it on my side, but like you give me bonus points, please. <laughs> like, okay, mama, what duas do you want today? So, um, the hijab in Oklahoma, this was Oklahoma, I'm guessing. No, so it was later on in my life where I had gone to college and my family had moved to Connecticut. Well, I had some family in Connecticut, so I was living in Connecticut at that time. Okay. I'm trying to picture inner city Connecticut and I'm still not very impressed because in my mind, Connecticut is all rich people. So Yeah, that's so lower Fairfield County, generally speaking, um, is like absolutely you're you're going to get those extremely wealthy um communities however i was in bridgeport connecticut which is a uh urban city so it still falls within fairfield county but it is um yeah it's definitely not the the same as the wealthy cities there's extreme poverty and yeah, things I'm there i'm here like greenwich okay that's where everybody wants to go like all right <laughs> what a difference just driving 20 minutes north i mean yeah. it, it it's sad to kind of see what disparities there are between mm-hmm. like these different cities and communities, but subhanAllah, may Allah bless everyone, inshallah, provide them. So like now in this environment, whether you go north or south of whatever freeway that was, did uh, were there any concerns for your safety now that you came to Islam? Because obviously you're saying the adults around you took it a lot worse than the kids did. Yeah, actually from my mom. So my mother was really concerned with how society was going to treat me because, of course, with all of the media representation of how um, Muslims are being, you know, treated or thought of, she was afraid I was going to be discriminated against. Um, So there was a moment where my mom was like, I'm okay with you being Muslim, but can you just not wear the hijab? So that was kind of like a hard place for me because... I wanted her to accept all of it, you know, including my hijab, but it took her a while for her to um, even feel comfortable going out with me wearing hijab. Uh, But as time went on and she started to make her own connections, like she told me one time there was this lady at Dunkin' Donuts and um, she was Muslim. She was like, oh, my my daughter's Muslim, too. And the lady was like, oh, so nice to her. And then they developed this rapport. So I think as she started to realize um, that, you know, you can be Muslim and American with no problem. And we're just as integrated into the society as uh, Korean. Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) 
got it. Mashallah. So Alhamdulillah, now she is very accepting. And I mean, it's not even, it's a non-issue. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. That's awesome. That's awesome. How was your dad? What was his reaction? He was the complete opposite. He was like, all right, honey, I'm so glad you found something you like. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This is like, whatever way gets you there. <laughs> I love it. Does he still have long hair? Please say yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the longest was to his mid back, but now That's it's right awesome. here. That you is awesome. <laughs> How was it? So this was like your parents, your home community. You've talked about your work community. What was the masjid like? Okay. So I would say generally speaking, I had a really good experience with the masjids, but um, just as a side note, I'm a fairly outgoing person and I don't find it really hard to make relationships with new people mm-hmm. um, because I had so much, you know, prior cultural exposure to me. It's just easy to, to talk to some, some people, but um, there were, alhamdulillah, I found that getting involved in the masjid was really helpful for me to make new friends. So like mm-hmm. just showing up for Juma or like, you know, you, when once you become a part of the masjid and you get involved in the service aspect of the masjid, it's like you really join that community because you're all working towards like this collective goal. Um, and so I would uh, become part of like the youth uh, organizations that they had. So, you know, helping out with like backpack giveaways or even like summer camps. I've done many, 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 many summer camps. Um, and that was always just like my way of like connecting with people and especially with the kids. Cause you know, I'm a teacher anyways, yeah, kind of like that's true. People, right. Um, but of course, like, you know, sometimes it, it could be difficult navigating situations because as, um, as you come to Islam and you do masjid hopping, so to speak, you realize that one masjid can look extremely different, like the culture and the community to another. And so I had to experience that myself where I'd go to a masjid and some masjids, I would feel like a complete outsider. Like, you know, what are you doing here? Are you really Muslim? Are you <laughs> yeah, right. Are you lost? Do you need help? Yeah. Um, and then others where people would be like, come on over, come eat with us, you know? And so um, I remember there was one uh, experience where I had just given birth. So this is like later on in my, in my reversion, right? This is year, I would say three or four, three, I think. Okay. For frame of reference, what year did you actually revert? So subhanAllah, 20, 2013. No, 2011. Sorry. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Oh. It's been the times. Mashallah. Yeah. It's been a while now. Um, but so I had just given birth to um, my daughter. And uh, so I had her and it was within that period of like high, right? Where you have like two months or something where you're, you're, um, you know, still uh, releasing blood. Right. And so I was in the masjid and to me, I was not in the prayer area. I was just in the masjid. And there was a sister who noticed my young baby and came up to me and was like, sister, you're not really supposed to be here right now. You need to be home. You're not supposed to come back for two, at least two or three months. And she was like asking me how old the baby was. And I was just, you know, as I, I can give this advice to anyone 
just smile and try to stay as positive. And I was like, okay, thank you so much for the advice. I'm going to be here for now. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing I could do. But in my mind, just like, you know, thank you for that. But, you know, it would be better to ask somebody what their thoughts and feelings are. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm there. So, you know, just sometimes etiquette, I, the, I think, can be improved in the masjid scene, especially Not sometimes all the time. <laughs> we all need that all the time. Now, I don't know if maybe she was talking about like uh, in a lot of Muslim cultures, they want for 60 days the mother to recover at home before she comes. So I wonder if maybe that was it or if she was just worried about the lokia. I am going to say yes and think positively <laughs> that that is what she meant. Inshallah. That's not how I took it for sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, the hormones are there. And yeah, we don't know what exactly her intention was, but, but inshallah, it was pure. But yeah, like approaching our revert and converts and like constantly advising them. What do you say to that? Oh, okay. So, um, what advice would I give to like a new Muslim? Is that no, what like what, to standing Muslims, the Muslim community, you know how oh. they offer so much yeah. like you need to do this and you need to do that. Did you know? And it's like, you know, it happens to us too, by the way, like when we go to a, a majority Muslim country, like those of us who were born and raised in America, like we must be like disbelievers, right? So they check us. Like, do you know the Fatiha? Do you know the three quls? You know, say la ilaha illallah. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, we know all of this. I'm like 21. <laughs> I know it's, <laughs> but that happens to us too. So I don't know what the experience is like for you. Yeah. So if I had to give advice um, to people within the Muslim community, it would definitely be that if you see a new convert um, and you have the availability in your life to connect with that convert, to please reach out and try to establish a friendship with them and offer your support. Because one thing that as a refert, um, I see others experience is having the initial desire to come to Islam and then feeling completely overwhelmed and alone in this journey. Um, And so uh, providing that love and support and guidance and just someone to talk to is extremely important. And I have to say, I don't even know why I have to say this, but every masjid that has a website should have a tab at the top that says revert, convert, whatever, come to Islam, something like that, because there's so many that don't. Yeah. And Whenever you are a revert or you don't know who to reach out to, you there's so many unknowns that like creating a clear path for someone to follow is just key to mm-hmm. someone to actually stick to Islam and know what they should be doing or how to connect with others if they want to know more. So yeah, I hope inshallah, anyone who's on the board of any type of stages, please bring this up. Put a tab on your website, inshallah. And don't just Um, leave it empty. Like actually have stuff for them. (laughs) Have someone dedicated to welcoming and connecting new reverts and organizing. I know a lot of massage work on like volunteer basis. And I know it can be hard to find um, the people power and the resources, but subhanAllah, like this is ingrained in Islam. Dawah is like, 
it is like ingrained. We must make it a priority. So besides that, like having mentoring services or frequent study circles, halakas, like I had, um, had mentioned before, or even mental health services, because a lot of reverts or converts um, may experience problems with their families. I've heard people getting kicked out, being disowned. I mean, think about what that does to a person mentally. So having mental health services available for all of the Muslim Muslim community, let's take, take it to them, right? Take that away, make it normal for um, us to focus on mental health within our Muslim community. And alhamdulillah, may we all be consistent in whatever we are giving towards the, the revert community or the Muslim community. Just stick to something and be consistent in it, inshallah, even if it's small. Yeah. Blast off with Space Vacation the Musical as the Bloom family from the bright yellow planet takes a wild, weird, and wonderful intergalactic summer vacation. With original songs and stellar comedy, their trip goes delightfully haywire. Fun and adventure for all ages. Space Vacation the Musical on all podcast platforms now. Subscribe today. And um, to the to your point, uh, when what I'm hearing is to to my earlier question for the Muslim community, if you're not going to offer friendship and that consistency that converts and reverts need, then you should probably keep your mouth shut about what they should or shouldn't be doing. Because if you're not going to be supportive over a long term, you know, because it takes trust and, you know, there's a lot of vulnerability, I think, when you don't know about Islam for those of us who are in it and those of us who are new to it. And for somebody to come and say, your skirt is too short or you're not supposed to have no polish on or your hair is sticking out or, you know, blah, 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 uh, whatever they say. Um, I've heard of somebody freaking out because someone brought, brought a dog. And she was blind. <laughs> so it's like, well, yeah, that's kind of important. But all they saw was her white skin. And they were like, she doesn't belong here. And yeah, she does. Everybody does. Even their dog. You know? So uh, what what I'm hearing is keep your mouth shut until you offer that hand of friendship and extend that um, path of consistency for your new brothers and sisters. Because I mean, I remember when the Muckins came to Medina, I know everybody kind of shared a religion, but it's like, Hey, newbie partner up with this like local. And they did that for a while until they got on their feet. And, but it wasn't like, Oh, come to my house and I'll tell you, you know, I'll always nitpick on the little things that you're doing. It's like, live with me, watch me. That's how you learn. Right. So, um, like a sunnah of giving nasiha, right? Like if you're going to give it, like at least figure out how you're going to give it if you can't give that friendship or whatever and you know having a loving kind uh mode of approach when you're giving advice is the way to go if you're going to give anything come from a place of love come yes. from your heart that you're giving it absolutely absolutely so tell us what your kids know about your life pre-islam Okay. Yeah, sure. So I would say like my kids know the stories of my childhood. I'm blessed to have my father live with us. So even though he's not Muslim, he is extremely ingrained in our day-to-day lives. I mean, he knows what we're doing, when we're doing it. He participates in our Eids and all that. So he's a great storyteller and has told my kids 
all about mommy when she was a kid. Alhamdulillah. So they hear that a lot. And they also know about my teaching career. And I've been very open with them as to why I chose Islam or rather why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose me. Like, so this is, um, this is mainly what I asked. I answer all the questions that they have because I really am one of those moms that will, I live by the truth. I tell them the truth, even if it's hard, Alhamdulillah, mm-hmm. to tell them yes. whatever they they need to know. I love that, that, that you're teaching them, I didn't choose Islam, Allah chose me. That's beautiful. Like, I think that's awesome. And that's something that I think all of us need to consider because as Zeba says, like at some point, even if you're born Muslim, you're choosing to stay Muslim and to live as a Muslim. But, you know, it's not our choice really because Allah's giving us the hidayah to do that, right? Like he's opening the path for us. So maybe always stay on Surat al-Mustaqim. Um, <laughs> what I would like to know, I always ask, um, I have asked, I think every single guest on here, what are like two of the top most thoughtless questions asked of you by either the Muslim or non-Muslim communities? Okay, sure. So I would say the number one thoughtless question was, did your husband make you wear that hijab? Were you forced to wear that hijab? So of course, like, I'm always like, uh, no, I am a modern Muslim woman. This is my choice. Um, and I, I've noticed a correlation that the ones who ask this question, it is a particular age group of white American ladies. And I think it corresponds with the women's movement because I noticed there's a lot of like, um, like rejection of anything that could be um, suppressing or viewed as suppression. Whereas in reality, like the fact that I choose this empowers me. No one can tell me to take it off. No one can tell me to put it on. And really the only reason for me, everybody has their reason. I wear hijab because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded me to. Done. Easy, Mm -hmm. simple. If my husband told me to take it off, I'd be like, sorry, but. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To be okay with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I always tell my husband, I love Allah more than I love you because he was not into the hijab. And like, he was like, no, but you're supposed to stop if I tell you to. Because in, you know, in our uh, subculture, there that people actually believe that, that whatever the husband says you have to do, including taking off your hijab. I was like, so if you told me to stop praying, would I stop praying? He was like, no, no, Allah said to do that. I was like, yeah, but Allah said to do this too. That's why I'm doing it. <laughs> so it took a couple of years. And then he was like, oh, she's like really serious. So yeah. And in that time, I did not fall out of love with him because I should, you know, ordinarily you would, you know, if he's like more forceful about it. But um, I know Zeba is going to want to know because uh, we've had a few instances where on this, on this particular series where converts or reverts to Islam said, I didn't come because of a man. I came because Allah called me or because I wanted Islam. So you, we did not hear a man in your journey. We, we yeah. love that. So tell us where the man came from. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was inserted into your journey. <laughs> yeah, this is Rahim. So actually, I, I knew of my husband before I came to Islam, but by no means was he the reason why I came to Islam. In fact, we um there was he found out that I was Muslim and then he reached out to me. And at that point in time, he was interested in, you know, getting to know me for marriage. And so whenever we actually 
finally did connect and he reached out to me, it was 100% with that intention. And so it was a really awkward conversation. Hey, do you remember me? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. What's your favorite color? (laughs) (laughs) And so, alhamdulillah, when he was like, um, I would like to get to know you with the intention of marriage. The first thing I said is, why? Right? I guess. Mm, Good question. He was like, well, um, because, you know, I think I think we have things in common, but I would like to find out more. So would you be willing to find out more with me? And I was like, okay, because I already knew what he looked like. So I knew he was cute. (laughs) 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 They were colorful, right? Like we had friends. We had mutual friends because we were from we were living in the same city um, Mm -hmm. and we were rival high schools. So we knew people who knew each other. So I knew of his character already, even though Mm -hmm. like, you um and so and I knew what he looked like and so alhamdulillah it was easy for me he had American culture even though he is not American he came here to the U.S. when um when he was one so for all intents and purposes he is absolutely American American. Yeah. yeah so the culture was the same we could relate to things um that we had grown up you know like cereals or like <laughs> TV <laughs> shows yeah so for us, alhamdulillah, it was really easy. But I know for some sisters out there, when you are marrying into an extremely different culture, there are a lot more obstacles and hurdles to go over. Um, even within, like, if you are a Pakistani American, right, and you're marrying someone who is from Pakistan, even that difference in culture, you may 100%. still be Pakistani, but you don't have the same culture. So yeah. alhamdulillah, we were blessed. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. That sounds awesome. Like, I love that story. And I know Zabel will really appreciate it when she hears it too. So final question. What is your advice to uh, a new Muslim? Okay. So I would say that the number one advice is to internalize the fact that you are not an outsider. Even though you may not feel as though you are um, completely part of the community yet, remember that you already were supposed to be Muslim. You already testified in front of Allah before your soul came down. You were always meant to be Muslim. So just lead with that. I'm supposed to be here and I am not an outsider. So alhamdulillah. And also, you know, whenever you are figuring out your path of Islam, I like to say, just remember to purify whatever intentions you have for doing a particular act, whether or not you're going to wear hijab or not. If you are going to pray in one particular style or another, right? Like all these things, just remember that you have to purify that intention and may everything you do be to get closer to a lot and to really develop that relationship with your Lord. Cause that's, that's why we were that's why you're, making, here. you're here to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. I love all of that advice. Um, and then I forgot to mention the stickers. Oh, okay. Alhamdulillah. So let's talk about split moon publications, how that happened sure. and the stickers. Yeah. Okay. Alhamdulillah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So it's been like a four-year journey. If for anyone who is uh, looking to start a business, just don't give up. It takes a while. So just keep going and um, just keep going over those hurdles and don't give up like Dory. Just keep going. Just keep going. Um, we sat down with my daughter 
every single evening, my husband actually, he would sit and he'd come from work and then he would sit and play with stickers, Melissa and Doug stickers with mm -hmm. my daughter cooking. And uh, Sakina, my daughter would say, but mommy, where are the hijabs? And it wasn't just one time, but multiple times she would want something that was more um, representative representative of, of me and of her grandparents and her aunties and her. So my husband was like, you know, we should do something about this. And I was like, yeah, we should totally do something about this. So uh, we got a designer. We did a lot of research. People don't really realize that these sticker books that we've created are really an educational resource because we focus on 10 unique Muslim majority countries. And we've picked out, handpicked out um, major masjids from that country, uh, cultural fair, maybe products that you would only find from that country. Also, Quran quotes, hadith quotes, prayer matters. I mean, like that we've really put a lot of research into um, representing that particular Muslim culture as best as we could. Mm -hmm. So that took a lot of time and research, but it was fun. It was a learning process. And then, of course, because we have these two different uh, fashion uh, sticker book versions, we decided, well, what about a, more of a, like a unisex option? And my husband, mashallah, he calls himself the idea generator and I'm the make it happener. The executor. <laughs> um, he was like, you know, why don't we do an Arabic letter sticker book? And with the intention that inshallah, everybody, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, will one day be able to write out Surah Al-Fatiha from memory, inshallah. Mm. Inshallah. Right. So then that was a whole nother like uh, reaching out to designers, having it and then manufacturing it and getting it imported. And I mean, subhanAllah, lots, lots uh, behind the behind the scenes actions for sure. Um, but yeah, alhamdulillah, we're so blessed to have a website. We have our website out. We have all three um, versions of the reusable sticker books. So alhamdulillah, you can put them on windows, mirrors, any surface that will uh, accept the static cling. And another, on another note, we are going to be uh, creating an online learning resource platform where you can join and become a member of Split Moon Learning. And there we'll have a plethora of resources on how to teach your kids about Islam using the sticker books, but also in other modes, just to make it be something um, fun and interactive. Just because you learned Islam a certain way doesn't mean your kids have to learn it that way. 100%. Up our game in regards to Islamic learning material. Yeah, absolutely. Like our parents learned with a stick. <laughs> and, you know, my generation, I did see somebody actually get hit with a ruler in Quran class. Never happened to me, alhamdulillah. We got yelled at if we messed up, but it was never anything violent. So there's always like positive associations for some of us. Um, I know even my generation, some people did still suffer. Um, and we're trying to bring a whole different experience for our kids. I know my kids' experience is 100% different than mine. I can't say it's better or worse, but there's definitely like no physical um, barriers to them loving Islam. So there is that. Now, we have heard so much about you. I love it. But then we like to kind of lighten the mood a little bit by doing a rapid fire. So we've got some rapid fire questions for you. Okay. And we put 90 seconds on the clock and there's no right answer. 
The right answer is whatever comes to the top of your mind. And I love your energy. I think this, this particular segment is made for people like you. So uh, no pressure. Our first question is always, what are you reading right now? What am I reading right now? Okay, so it's called um, uh, Medicine for the Soul. And so basically it just gives um, some really practical advice. Like if you're feeling anger, what are some like acts? What does it say in the Quran? What are some like Sunnah, Hadiths and things like that? So that has kind of been something I've been picking up throughout the day. Like I'm feeling overwhelmed or something. So mashallah, uh, highly recommend that inshallah. And it's not like a dua book or it is a dua book? No, no, it's, um, it, it, what they've done is they've done research to correlate particular emotions with how to react or how to, uh, spiritually heal yourself, um, by doing like, like, let's say you need to fast more because it's, you know, you're angry. So, but it's more than that and it's really well done. So I'm not giving that book justice right now with my Oh, that's awesome. I will look it up and we'll put it in our show notes so everybody can check it out for themselves. It sounds awesome. So next question is if you could win an Olympic medal for any sport, real or fake, what would it be? An Olympic medal, I would say for um, picking up stuff around the house after my kids, because I'm I'm so good at that, and it's yes. constantly. <laughs> um, I feel like I practiced and I'm ready. <laughs> You're ready, absolutely. I love that. So you've got your master's in education. It sounds like you're an amazing teacher and you're putting your skills to use. But what was the first career you dreamed of as having uh, dreamed of as a kid? And if it was teaching, that's awesome too. A marine biologist. That is a really common one, actually. So so I grew up um, being every summer at my grandparents' house, and they actually had like a beach adjacent to their home. So me and my cousins were at that beach all day long, discovering, exploring. Um, We grew up with like a sailboat culture and stuff. So for me, it was just very organic to want to just always be in the water and learn about the marine life. That's awesome. All right. Last one. What's a dream that you have yet to achieve? Writing a book. Yeah. I would like to write a book. Children's books. I'm really interested in writing children's books. I have a lot of curriculum writing under my um, belt and that's usually what I end up writing. I run a a homeschooling co-op too and we're actually creating curriculum for the year, but I would like to have more of um, creative I would like to be able to have more opportunity to be creative and create a book, inshallah. Inshallah. Yes. And it will happen under Split Moon Publications because, you know, you can only grow, inshallah. That is awesome. I am so excited for your book. I'm so excited to meet you finally and not just stalk you online. So thank you for coming on and sharing your stories. Any final thoughts before we close? Alhamdulillah, I'm going to just make dua for you and sister, inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put barakah in your podcast, in all of your endeavors. May Allah put uh, barakah in your time, in your risk, and keep you holding fast to the rope of Islam, inshallah. Jazakallah khair for all of you. Jazakallah khair. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzma and Mommy while Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Mommy while Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.